Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, Score, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Welcome to DBR Racing Products the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all, they've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, 
visit their website at www.dvratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DVR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Hey Doug, welcome back to ATV Talk. It's, it's been a little while. I, I know you've moved uh, to Arizona and have established yourself out there, but uh, I really appreciate you coming out for this special event. And just so you know, this is a real special feeling thing for me. You and I spent a lot of time on the road together and Too a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, and a, and a lot of our lives together scarred me for life. I'd probably never be the same. <laughs> uh, probably not. But uh, I, I just want to say how much I appreciate it. This is our our third year anniversary show. We've been doing this for three years. So since the first time that we taped till now, it's been three years. You were the first guy that I had, I had on the show and. I wanted you to be the anniversary show, so I really appreciate you coming and doing this. We are at the San Diego Off-Road Coalition's Off-Road Jamboree here in Lakeside, California. We're in a mobile show, so we're in a mobile event. Um, so some of the background you hear, we apologize for it, but uh, that's there's not a whole lot we can do about it with cars going by and people talking and walking out. So, so please bear with us, and uh, Doug and I are going to have a conversation about um, his career racing and we're going to catch a little bit more about your racing career instead of um, we got a lot of background from you where you were from things like that um, there's also a big conversation Doug, and, and, and I want to just head this off first there's also a big conversation on the internet about who the greatest of all time is and yeah I'm biased and everybody knows it and, and uh, we're a uh, we're just asking. In your mind, who's the greatest ATV racer of all time? You know, there's so many people that are, are experts in their field and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, great Gary did. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to on that guy and then and uh, say he's not one of the greatest. He's always the greatest. Um, but uh, you know, he did a back east with all all the the fast guys. Pretty much back east. I mean, motocross guys stuff. I mean, they're, they're back east. Catch off to them. They're, you know, they're better riders out there for some reason. Uh, you know, they get a lot of classified or something. Like that. But uh, um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, there's so many. Uh, I I like to think of myself as the most diverse type rider. You know, uh, I can do about everything and done about everything. You know, so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm proud and happy if you, you know, you feel like you know, I'm the greatest all time, but uh, I don't think of myself that way. I just, you know, want to be remembered for what I have done and, and, you know, be remembered as one of the greatest. You know, it doesn't matter to me, really. And, and that, that, without your help, I mean, without your help, without Duncan's help, Snow's help, and, uh, you know, it probably would never happen. So. You know, it's the big hats off to you and a lot of other people that has, you know, constantly, constantly pushed me along my way, you know, mainly. So, um, there's so many people to thank and so many people who are responsible for uh, 
getting me where I was and where I am and what I've done and stuff. So um, I always look back and and, uh, and said, man, I should have worked a little harder and could have done more. But, you know, 2020. <laughs> right. Hindsight's 2020. Um, Pondevu was a special time for you. You raced it many times. You still hold the all-time winning record there with seven wins. Um, Martin Fletcher was a big part of that. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Yeah. So, that's that day. You've had some special times with Martin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Uh, most of them I remember with him is uh, him getting drunk and falling down. Uh, <laughs> those those Englishmen, they like their they like their beer, but uh, no. Uh, only a couple times he was hammered, but uh, um, at the races he was more than professional. A great guy, um, really was uh, active in, in knowing what was going on with with all that haunted new stuff, and he really helped us, you know, over there as far as building the bikes for us. He built some great machines every time, I mean, it was just beautiful. And then you know, Lawrence up with great motors for us to run, and and. Uh, Lenny wiped him down and then looked pretty. So, so uh, you know, that was a great time over there. Um, every time we went, we always had a great time. How was that a good time? And, and, uh, and we always did good. And, you know, there's always little gremlins and little things that happen that, uh, you know, we didn't win them all, you know. But, you know, I'd like to win them all, but we can't win them all. I mean, there's always going to be somebody faster on one day than you and your team. I mean, I did it with Mark Earhart the first couple times, and we were a great team. I mean, we both uh, we both wrote our butts off and uh, and uh, you know the guys over there would go I can we go so fast at night and I go I don't know I can't see what I'm gonna hit no it's just go faster <laughs> so but it was one of my things I liked riding at night and uh, um, but uh, you know yeah Martin was a, a big part of there he was a great guy and uh, this yeah. It hit Lauren pretty hard. He uh, he went over and paid his respects to the family. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go. But that, those guys over there in Europe were always such a huge part of it and helped us out a lot. I got to be there in 93 when we won the first. And I thought that that was super special. Uh, and you think 93, 2023, and you're just like, yeah, it's always great being up there in front of all the people and stuff and, and holding the American flag up on top of the box, you know. Yeah, I, I remember I gave you the pit board sign uh, with 15 minutes to go that we had clinched. We'd already won because we had had such a big lead that no matter what happened, they could not pass us in laps. And uh, that was a pretty special. Yeah, we've been whooping that year. Oh, yeah, we did. And, uh, Martin uh, was the lead mechanic, and I got to be the, the second. And uh, that's, you know, out of all the times that you raced over there, that's the only time that I worked with you. Over there? Yep. Yeah, we were always with somebody else. I was very blessed. I got to work with Rafael Sonic and uh, Caminini, Yamaha of Italy. I got to do some things with those guys which was uh, pretty special in its own right. But um, talk about riding with some of the legends from the European side. I mean, those guys were all great. Paul Winrow, 
other guy's name. Johnny Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, he was awesome. He was good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul was probably the funnest. You know, he was a, he was a character kind of like I am. We, like, we always joked around and gave each other crap and, and, uh, and just, you know, playing pranks on each other and stuff. But, but when it came to, you know, race time, we both put on our race faces and we, we, uh, we did good. And, you know, the bikes always, you know, helped us and, and, uh, and the great mechanic parts and Olympic motor and stuff is very flawless. But uh, yeah, and Johnny Mitchell, uh, um, another another great kid, another great rider. He was pretty quiet. He was in his own little shell there, you know. But uh, but uh, he was a good, great rider too. Real fast. Uh, most, you know, those people were just great people, real nice people. Uh, still, still uh, shout out to uh, Paul uh, once a while on Facebook and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it was good time over there. It, 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 uh, it is a lot of fun to go up there and, and spend some time. Um, what about um, the course? Because the race course changed from year to year, generally based on the weather. That was the most change was the weather, yeah. It was, it was either hard pack breaking up. I mean, the fog was coming at you like, you know, anywhere from a quarter up to a golf ball or a picture. And uh, in those days, you heard, um, Especially when you're doing, what are we doing, over like 80 miles an hour? No, no, 200 mile an hour straightaways yeah, with those banshees. Yeah, the banshees, yeah, down the straightaway, 20 miles an hour. Like, and in the four strokes, when they came around and we were running and stuff, and they threw, they threw, they threw, they threw some rocks too. They were rocks, they were just dirt, were dirt breaking up when it came out of those spots. But, but uh, uh, the course was super fast. I mean, you really had to. Had to be uh, good on your braking and have your braking points, and 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 then there's another. It depends on what year, but there's another, you know, 80, 90, 100 riders out there with you. And this course is, is it seven? I don't, six, I don't remember. Long? I don't remember the length, but it was a three minute lap time. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty slow, I don't think. But, um, and so you think you'd be spread out with that many guys, but man, you get into some clusters every once in a while where guys are going every which way. And a lot of these guys are not traveling at a hundred like you are. You're doing about 50, 60, and they think they're hauling ass. And uh, you come up on them really quick, and it gets kind of scary sometimes. But, uh, um, and uh, like I said, the course is uh, either, either perfect, or it's all broken up and dried up and coming, coming apart, or it's rain. And it's a mud bog and mud crest, and uh, and for having a banshee out there in the rain, um, we get pretty good parts to uh, get that ready for the mud and make it so that we run and stay running. And, you know, the radar is right up in the snow, and, you know, big open thing. So, so uh, uh, it, was, it was a little bit tougher to ride in the mud, but uh, you know, we made it all the all the help and stuff. We made it work. I remember in 92 when we were there, we wore the tires to the cords. I mean, you guys, you guys ran the tires to they were cords. Yeah, the dirt was so hard packed and slick, and, um, and a lot of sparks were just almost like, uh, you could see the tire burn off where the dirt was black, and guys breaking in the corner, coming out of the corner and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just wore the tires right out. It was like, like almost like sandpaper out there that year. It was really weird. Yeah, I don't think we wore the tires in any of the other years that I went. I, 
I believe when I was riding working with Sonic one year, we ran the same tires for three weeks. Yeah, we were slow. Well, that's yeah. Yeah, four-stroke tire wear is different than two-stroke. Um, one of the let's uh, get a popped-up manager. It's they straightened your arms out half the time. Anyway, you come out of the corner. You just legs are flying in the back and trying to hold on. One of my favorite portions of that course were the ski jumps. You know, you come off of the over the bridge, coming over the one portion of the track, and you would never shut off. You come around that left hand turn, you, you'd hit high gear as you're going off that jump, and or you might have one gear to go before you're in high gear, and you're just pinned wide open. You never even lift. Oh yeah, you hit the most of the jumps out there wide open. Um, they had a couple of tabletops on the backside of the announcer stand and the podium and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, they were they were bad. Um, but the other ones, yeah, you could hit those things, ski jumps, those ski jumps, and wide open, and, and uh, you know, trade something like an app or something. Because <laughs> you're, you're flying. I mean, it's just like, it's like the Olympic skiers, man. You just roll the jump and you lean up over the bars. And <laughs> yeah. It was an incredible time. They still get crowds in the 25,000 plus. Really? Yeah, it's expensive. Well, that's the biggest crowds we've ever raced in front of. Yeah, yeah, for Mickey Thompson. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mickey the, the Mickey Thompsons were um, a whole nother era of your career right. that um, you got to win the final. In the last race of the year, on the bench. In the Yamaha bench. In your home state. In my home state. Yeah, there's nothing better than that. That was awesome. I mean, yeah, the first time, wasn't the first time Banshee. Don Turk rode a Banshee, but it had a, it had a two-stroke motor. So, so to clarify that, you won in the stadium. He won in the fairgrounds. So there were different kinds yeah, of. Way, way at the beginning of big Yeah, and a totally different kind of race. Yeah. But yeah, that was, for that kind of a tight kind of. Turkey course, but I I wasn't sure about the Banshee because it just I mean, it's top speed. I mean, you got to keep it on the pipe. And, uh, but don't Lauren built a great, you know, a bottom of the motor for a Banshee. I mean, it ran good there, and it and it was hooking up, and, and uh, yeah, it's in my hometown. And, and uh, I mean, sad to say, it was the last one in forever. And right, <laughs> I really miss those days. Mickey Tom places too. Those are awesome too. You get to go down on the floor and, and sign autographs and stuff like that for the kids. And, and I always ask for money. I go, okay, five bucks for the autograph. You know, and then, you know, they were like, five bucks. You look at their mom and, you know, and stuff. And, but I always get the kids back and, and joke with them and stuff. And, but they loved being down there and seeing all the people and their bikes and stuff. And, and uh, it was, that was a great time too. Yeah, that was a good time. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, you won the title in 94? Was it 93? 93. <laughs> Talk about what it felt like to, to be with all of those great riders at that time. And this is still kind of early in your debut, in your career of being considered one of those guys. And, and to win that title with the likes of Gary Denton and Donnie Banks, you know, Shepherd, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough field. That was a tough 
um, I mean, there's a lot of great writers, and you just had to be very consistent and then have a bad day. Because if you had a bad day, you would, uh, you'd have, you know, everybody else, you know, wouldn't, you know, so you seem like, but uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was one of the greatest moments in my life. I mean, Definitely uh, just started writing for Duncan Racing, uh, pretty much. Uh, the only difference was that too. You started with us in, at the end of 92, yeah, so, beginning of 93. Yeah, so uh, next year, pretty much, you know, won the championship for you guys. And, and uh, you know, I think those checks, I'm still waiting for that. Yeah, we got lost <laughs> in the mail. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a great time and a big, and a big you know, a big check on my bucket list to, to win the Mickeys. And, and, uh, and, it was real racing, but they still had to make it, you know, for the fans. But but it was it was some good stuff. There was great competition there, and, and uh, I mean, yeah, I was surprised. I did it. I mean, I had just didn't know I had that kind of you know good backing and stuff like that. It was mainly a little while, you know, all the people that helped me. That's that's pretty awesome. Did you race much desert before you came down to California? None. No, I did. You know, riding up the Washington in the woods and trees a little bit, but I never did any desert. First desert race I did was with Bill Linfield. Um, we, he, uh, we were doing the Mickey's, and uh, he goes, hey, there's a race, desert race out in Vegas. You want to go? I got wrong. All he got is my practice bike, really. He goes, well, put some bigger tires on it and probably take the nerf bars off and, and we'll go out and do this getting right just for fun. And I don't go do any race for fun. I go to win. So I went there well, we'll, we'll go build out there. And we went out to Vegas and we, uh, we did this desert race. And, uh, and of course, they tell you in the meeting, you know, of course, you get this small bike, blah, blah, blah. And so I get about off the start with the bomb. I get about third place start, which is kind of right where I wanted to be, because I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing, and uh, so I just followed these guys for the first lap, and uh, and then I passed them on the at, the, at the end of the first lap, and, no, actually, actually, I passed them on the first lap, it was the first lap, and we were going out, um, and uh, and I got to a part in the course where, where it wide, and and I looked at that, and there was no markers, and I'm going, okay, which way do I go? And so I went right, because it looked like the track most used, and uh, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm going, okay, no markers, I must have went the wrong way. And all of a sudden, I was back on markers. I'm going, okay, well, I guess I'm okay. And so I keep going, I get back in, and, and uh, do the checkpoint, and go for my second lap, and do another lap, and I come back in for the first checkpoint uh, at the beginning again, and John was his name, John something. He goes, oh, the guy said you cut the course. I'm going, what? I don't know. I, didn't cut, I don't think I cut the course. I go, goes, I go, I go, okay, so now what? He goes, well, he goes, we usually disqualify, but we're, we're going to dock you some time and, uh, and figure it out at the end. I go, I go, so I keep riding? He goes, he goes yeah, keep riding. So I wrote, I knew I was against clock against these guys. So I rode my ass off. I was just riding as hard as I could. I had so many blood blisters and blisters on my hands when I got done. And uh, I was catching up to Bill. 
I had lap and bill lap here. And it helped this part of the course where it had just a little section where it kind of just had two different lanes. And I go, oh, I'm going to hit him right in the right spot. He just fly right by, but I'll wave at him. And uh, about the time I went to take the left hand course, he moved up the left hand course too, and I grabbed right in the back. Yeah, but I gotta live with these guys. <laughs> I, go, I don't care. I, but yeah, I just went out there and beat my practice bike to death, and and uh, I go well, that's my last desert race because I didn't have a good taste about it. But, but I ended up going back and and doing doing the races after that. So just, I like I like the designation. It's kind of you know, kind of one on one. You get the course, and uh, you know you got it right. Hard and smart, you know. When, when you got to go into the best in the desert and the, and the score stuff, a, a lot of the times you were the anchor. Um, how did that make you feel to be the guy that, when it came down to the, the, the tight stuff, where you know it mattered because you either had a short lead or you were behind? How did you feel about them? The teams just putting you on the machine. I didn't bother me at all. It's good, you know, great space all the way. I mean, I, I knew what I had to do. I went out there, you know, rode as hard as I could and, and tried to bring it in, you know, uh, either on top of the box or whatever, whatever happened. You know, so I always gave it 110% to, to try to win. Did, that, did you ever feel pressured by that? Um, I mean, I would, now I look back at it would say really not no, but I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure I did a little bit, you know, but uh, but uh, it was that you can hear AC that Yeah, that's that's gonna overshadow us just a bit. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I I, I didn't really. Maybe I felt a little turn, bit of pressure, not a lot. Maybe they'll turn it down a little bit. <laughs> I don't think they're going to, but that, that's okay. Um, I know that in all of the races that I did with you. We did some 24-hour races down in the Southern California desert, and you were the guy. When we needed laps, we needed time, you were the guy we put on the bike. Yeah, I do. Like I said, I just went out and did my job. I did the best I could. I did the only thing I could. And I did it. So hard to break the bike. Well, I did hard. But uh, you try not to. You try to, you know, go fast and, and you know, save the bike and, and bring the bike in. You know, you don't finish, you don't win. Right on. One of the stories that I remember, uh, I wasn't there for this event, but uh, John Gregory was telling me about it, that you had a problem out on the course and you had no tools. And, and you had, you brought the bike back with missing a tire, a flat tire, and you had to take a, a tire off and put it on the other side 
so that you could balance it. You remember that day? Oh, yeah. And I was going through this silt bed, and there was just, you know, silt was flying everywhere. That stuff, I don't know if you guys have ever raced in silt, but it's it's like talcum powder. I mean, it's just really soft, and, and you can't see anything in the silt. I mean, and I hit something, I don't know if it was a rock or a rut, but it hit the bike pit and turn sizes and flip me over and I swan dive Superman into the silt I went and I go all right first thing I was thinking oh I hope it didn't hurt the bike hope it didn't hurt the bike and uh of course I got up and freaking front wheels off popped off broke the ball joint and, and uh um and so so I got on the radio that scat phones I said hey next pit you know whatever it was I forget towards the bottom um, I need a ball joint really bad, and uh, and really really answering me back. So I go, well, I can't really fix it. So I had to take the tire off and put it inside, and and, uh, and I rode it eighty. Well, I went to the next pit, and there was you know, nobody had been there. Nobody brought me a ball joint. Nobody brought me anything. Nobody was there for my pit. Like it's just a remote pit. So. Like, okay, well, I'm not sticking around here. I can still grow. I'm, so I kept going. And, and, uh, and I never see, I hit another pit. There was nobody there either. So I just kept riding. I rode it 80 miles with all three wheels. And then, uh, yeah, right toward the end, I got a flat too. But, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was that was one of the disheartening ones that we were leading at 80 miles to go and I broke the bike. And that was not the first time I did that. I, I did the same thing. Already? <laughs> we'll grab a chair and wait. But uh, I can see. I can see. Good buddy. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Take care. You too. Come back when you, uh, you can stay longer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we were uh, one other Baja one thousand. We were leading and and uh, and I broke the bike. Other well, the bike broke. It's, I mean, the motor kind of. The gear or something, I don't know if some of the part of the gears before me or, or what, but one of the gears went out and we had less than 100 miles to go or right around 100 to go and, and uh, lost that race too, which was very, after all that time, after all those miles, uh, I think I put in over 400 miles that race and uh, I'll be on the bike, um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty disheartening, you know, you're have a chance to win and you've gone that far and in something like gremlin bites you and you just it's it's kind of like, oh no kind of hang your head and, and just go well what can i do to what can i do to make this work what can i do to fix it what can i got to try to finish and it's just, sometimes you can sometimes you can't right right you know one of the best things about what we do is is we've always scoured the rule book to make sure that when we were in a given situation we would be prepared uh, with situations in Baja how far could you tow you know with works you know was it in the rule book was it not in the rule book uh, and there were always people that were angered by the fact that I knew the rules yeah we knew the rules and we pushed we, I, we didn't push the limit we, but we you know we did it was you know, uh, we were able to do, and uh, yeah, people didn't 
didn't like it. They didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know you could do that. Oh, we would have we done that in Las Vegas. We would have known. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the whole key to everything, especially when we raced worse, because it was such a new series, and there were loopholes. You know, as much as people don't want to admit, there were loopholes. And no offense, I mean, I used every one of them because that was the game. That was what you had to do. <laughs> It reminds me of Walsh Eagle, we went up there, and, and Walsh Eagle was uh, always, not always, it was, it was my hometown, uh, my home track, uh, I always loved racing there, Walsh Eagle, my, my, my old stopping grounds, and I grew up there racing there in motorcycles for years and years, and only we went up there and worked racing that, and, and, uh, and it rained a lot, it was pretty muddy, um, and a lot of the track outside of the motocross track was kind of a clay, really slick kind of like snot almost, you know, just like oil on, on concrete or something. So we went back to my buddy's house, Kevin Wallace, and uh, good buddy Wallace. We went back to his house and we put screws in the tires. <laughs> we took a bunch of uh, ripping screws and cut them off a little bit and screwed them in the tires all in the back tires, a little bit in the front tires and, uh, and we covered it up and took it back to the track the next day and, and, uh, and a lot of people were not happy and Sean Reddish came over and goes uh, you guys are causing a lot of problems for me he goes, well, there, you know, there's nothing in the rule books about it we say we can do it but yeah I know but but you're causing a lot of problems for me a lot of people are not happy about this and uh, I go, I go. We're we're here to win. No matter what, we're here to win. This is this is what we came to do. It's to win. And um, of course, I mean, I whole shot and, and you know led the whole race. Josh Fredericks caught on to it somehow, and they did the same thing, but they didn't they didn't put the right length screws in. And he had a couple flats, but but uh, we still good racing. And yeah, we we definitely pushed the wheel button. Of course, you know, next year, no shoes, no studs. <laughs> well, that, that's the whole deal. One of the things that I always like to do is I like to put our bikes on display before the race and make sure they were clean and everybody could yeah, see them. figure out why our bike wasn't out. Yeah, I kept it into the trailer until uh, I think our call to the gate was, was 10 minutes out. So they didn't have a lot of time, but it was amazing the crowd that showed up when it rolled out of the trailer. Um and I think totally one of the reasons was because we held it in the trailer so long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a, that was a great day. I still have a picture of this bright green grass, the bright white trailer, the blue easy ups. You can see everybody around you is all clean and shiny and bright, and you're a, a just a brown blob in the center. The bike and you just you couldn't tell the difference. You didn't know what color it was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty muddy race. Was that the race? I was watching the same race. Watching over there. Was that where we were the? That's when you did the studs. Was it the studs? Yeah. The other year when we were up there, we ran. We ran the Kawasaki. Yep. Kawasaki monster in the mud, and you made cycling studs. Yeah, and seven hundred, the big old pig, and. Didn't pull shot, but almost did. Um, but he, he still won. He won that race that big thing in, in the mud. And uh, he didn't put studs in it. Didn't need it. 
was heavy enough as it was. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I got pretty muddy that race. Uh, that one, that one, it came out way better. Um, didn't you have an issue where you had to use the reverse during that race with that big monster? Yeah. I just put it in forward and you push the start with your hand on the helmet and they said, oh, you can't do that. You got to put it in reverse. You got to reach down and put it in forward. I go, okay. <laughs> so it was, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm riding a 10,000 pound bike. It's like, it's going to be 20 by the time we get done the race. But, uh, so, um, yeah, it, it was a good thing. Yeah, you plowed through some trees and it. Oh yeah, people and trees and I mean, because a lot of people getting stuck and I was just going around and over them. It was typical watch you were. I I remember we bought brought both of those seven hundreds back because we took we both took seven hundreds to race in Utah, and we brought them both <laughs> home on the record. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you demolished yours. I just hurt mine. Yeah, mine was. <laughs> My, I, we didn't think that we were going to get uh, enough parts to put it back together. Yeah, you got to tell about I did. I did. <laughs> I thought it was a tabletop, and it was a double, and I hit the face of the other side. And when you have a 600-pound quad, and it and it lands incorrectly, it destroyed. Land arts stops me. It broke the car of uh, the cast hub. It broke all the mounting where you would mount the studs through. Broke all of that straight off. Collapsed the wheel. Um, there was other stuff that was broken and bent. Yeah, we had to get we had to get a dozer grabber to pick that thing up and pick it off the track. Actually, yes. when we when we were trying to leave, nobody would help us, and you started it and put oh, it in yeah. gear and drug it up onto the back of the truck. It was, it right up the back yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Only, I, was ready, I was ready to go home. Only, only, only you, only you could do that. I don't know about that, but you know, just you know, no brain, no pain. Be about anything. <laughs> a lot of people don't remember this though, that you spent quite a few seasons back east. Uh, right after Mickey stopped, uh, we had basically no option. Where we're going to race? Uh, there was no West Coast series at the time. And uh, we loaded up a trailer and took uh, your Honda and your Banshee back, and you raced the Nationals for three years. Three years we ran the Nationals back in the We traveled back and forth and kept our kept the rig in uh, Tennessee with the uh, Douglas. Yep, Doug, Douglas. Uh, yep. Tennessee. Yep. And, yeah, they were great people. What well, great people they were. Uh, and I used to we used to go back there. They took us, you know, home cooking meals and. Now we clean the bikes after whatever race we went to, and and, uh, and they had a one of those great big grasshopper lawnmowers. And I like to get out there and lawn, I'm mowing lawn for because I like to play on the lawnmower. The big grasshopper and spin around up and, and lawn. But that, yeah, yeah, we we'd, uh, we'd fly into Nashville and we'd take a rental car to Chuckie Training and then we'd go wherever we needed to go and bring yeah. back. And, a lot of people don't re really remember that time in your career, but that Banshee that you raced back there, you spent 
You won almost 60 races on that page. I love that bitch. I'm so mad about it. So I should have never sold that bike. That was an awesome bike. That bike meant actually, you know, now I've got a lot of sentimental value with it. And uh, if you got my Banshee, I want it back, dude. Let me know where it's at. I want it back here. Lane said it's back here somewhere, so we've kind of been looking for it. But, uh, but yeah, I, that Banshee was, uh, like I said, I mean, I, I won the last Nikki on that Banshee, and then we converted it over to motocross, and, and, and that took three or four races, because we had short shocks on it for the Nikki's, and, and uh, I'm not riding motocross with the Banshee, with short shocks on it, because we didn't have any shocks yet, and we and it was it was bottoming out all over the place, but uh, but yeah, that Banshee was an awesome bike. Uh, everyone had such a great motor in that bike. It was uh, not real bikey, and had, for a Banshee, it had decent bottom end, and, and it was just a fun bike to ride. It worked so well. But, uh, I always loved riding that bike. Well, we could race motocross one weekend, and we could convert it yeah. and race TT on it the next. Yeah, yeah, we would we would change it over and put the shorter shocks on it and the sway bar in the front and put the slicks on it and whatnot and uh, go race TT, which was new to me. I had never done that. I mean, I think if you finish on podium and do the TT, in the 250 class, you um, got on the podium more yeah, than once. You never got past. You never got past the, the third spot, but yeah. but you were third quite a few times. You were even in the top five quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those, those guys back here, back back east too, and Shane Hitt and Kenny Flyer and, and, and uh, what was that? Uh, those guys were really good. Uh, Greg Baker, Charlie Shepard, all those guys Baker, were just yeah. awesome. Um, but those guys, I mean, they were like two disruptors and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, I was happy just to being hanging, you know, in, on their coattails, mainly, but we learned a lot about the TV stuff, but neither one of us knew how really, uh, but, the, but the Banshee, yeah, we always, we always, we always finished, you know, I think you won. Box, uh, on top of the box with the Banshee, and, and then, uh, remember we were chasing, I mean, uh, 250, there's so many good guys, I mean, I've been with them. To fifth, you know, most of the time, but uh, so, uh, but it was it was different. It was a whole different style of riding, and you know, and set the biggest thing was setting up the bike and always trying to get his trying to get some shade hit. But I never knew it was talking to him. He was telling me a lot, a little fib, or he was telling me the truth. I would set up the bike, but it seems quite the character too. He's a he's always messing with me. You tell you one thing, say, I watched you go through the fires all backwards. People went to laugh at him. <laughs> <laughs> he did joke with us quite a bit. You know, I mean, th there were some great times, you know, throwing the football from camp to camp or pit to pit. Uh, one year in, in Indiana, Pennsylvania, I mean, that was, we had a ball that day. We didn't get the bike done, but <laughs> we, we screwed around a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, we didn't we didn't get a lot of downtime when we traveled, but the times we did, we tried to make the best of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, learn 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 the hard way that you know life is definitely too short. You uh, you got to take advantage of it and, and enjoy it. You know, you had a motocross career on the West Coast too, where you came out and raced quad cross with Dustin Nelson 
and Frenchie and the guys on the Can Am. Um, and this is later in your career when you're in your later later forties. I'm assuming, uh, if I remember correctly, I think you were forty six. You were still racing, Mickey. You were still racing works and and winning. Um, but Quad Cross was a was a a hill that we decided that we wanted to climb. Well, it was it, it, it was, it was local, so yeah, it was fruitful for us for a little bit. Uh, I remember the being out at the uh, pit track out in Arizona. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right behind the prison. Yeah, right behind the prison. That so, we went, yeah. you went out there and won in that day. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty, that was the being down in the pit and stuff, and coming up out of the pit and back down in the green. That was, every in there before it was fine. ACP. Yeah, it, that was a pretty big little track. It wasn't too bad. It was hot. I mean, dry slick times most of the time, and still the water, and it was snotty. But it was a pretty good track. It was a pretty good you know, you think about your career and it spanned from the 80s into the 2000s. Um, I don't even remember what was the last year, nine or Think about that, 86, I believe you, you, you stepped into the pro class and you rode pro until 2000. Yeah, yeah. I, I had ridden motorcycles for years and years and, and uh, Falling off those many times and, and decided I didn't get to be more wheels. But uh, um, so I started the main, actually, it was the 86 wheeler I first got. And, uh, and I wasn't even, I was retired. Man. I said, quit racing two wheelers because I, I had a, uh, I was racing 125 Pro and just started racing 250 Pro on the two wheelers and I was out practicing on a buddy's 250 one day and just got cross rotted on a jump and just pancake it like they do nowadays was a big deal but back then it was a big deal and so I crashed and broke just broke in my shoulder and and, and I I had fallen off quite a few other times and, and I I broke my ankle and never fell off the bike but uh caught a rut and broke my ankle and and, uh, and I just decided well maybe racing's not for me and I, I hung it up. I so much being a buddy back with his 250 dirt bike and uh, and I sold my 125 and I bought a 250 R cooler and then I didn't have so much fun in my life. I go bombing around all over town and and uh, and I broke a set of, yeah, a set of car chains that I cut down and I rubber band both sides of the car chains and took it out in hard pack snow and throwing rooster tails about 50 feet in the air and running all over town. The cops were chasing me and they couldn't catch me. And, I had a great time on that bike, and when you go down to Sand Lake, me and I drove the club and the river, we we go down to Sand Lake and ride the Sand Lake and stuff, and and uh, and you know here that Ross Hugo's racing quads and coolers. I go, hey, some buddy of mine, go, hey, let's go down and race Ross Hugo. I've been racing there for years about cooler, and I go, I don't, I'm going to race the quads. We had a two hundred yard field, so so that Friday at work. Of course, I smashed my hands at work, broke both of my finger, middle fingers, and especially the other ones. I had a forklift accident, but uh, so so I couldn't go. So my buddy borrowed my thriller, and we went down there and crashed and broke his collarbone. And I sold the thriller the next week, and, and uh, in '86, a uh, 250-yard quad came out and bought one of those. And and uh, since my hands got better and stuff, and I went down and to watch you go again. And, 
signed up pro and with a bone stock bike. I think I had a silent too. I had a slip on on it. Uh, Answer slip on I think they had on it. And that's all we've done to it. I break the bone stock and went out there and won the pro class and bone stock bike. So, all right, this is fun. I'll do this some more. <laughs> hey, little did you know then that you would become an ever dream of going and doing what I have done. So, never would have thought. So, in that respect, most of the time when we raced together, it, you were having a ball. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I, I love doing it. I still, I would go still racing right now. I mean, I'd love to be racing. Um, I miss it uh, so much and, and uh, um, always enjoy doing it. And, and nothing better than winning. Right. <laughs> There's no better feel. You know, uh, I can uh, I can tell you that in the times that we spent together that uh, it gives you a whole new pers- pers- perspective on racing when you aren't winning. We were very fortunate. We won a lot. Yeah, we did. We won a lot. Um, we definitely you know, had our day when we got beat, and we're you know, so much better. And, uh, we had problems, but, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, we, 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 were, we always did very well. I think we did. I think, that, I think that they're getting ready to make some noise here uh, that we're not going to be able to overcome. But, uh, Doug, as always, brother, I, I really appreciate the time that we got to spend racing together and our, your friendship. You know, as always, there's always highs and lows to everything, but you're always one of my favorite people. And, uh, you know, I'd go travel on the road with you today if, if we could go race again. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we got to find something that we can race. Um, I don't think we want to race with the cage, though. That's not right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely like the... Basically, something two wheels or four wheels, four wheels, you know. Uh, but yeah, the cage, okay, it's okay. I mean, you sit in there, you go, woo, that's it. But uh, it's no finesse. So I like to be able to finesse the bike and ride the bike and, you know, show what I'm capable of and what the bike's doing. Right. And the collar, you just, I mean, show them what they're I, I agree. Again, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. No problem, buddy. So, um, so everybody knows the ATV Talk has been around uh, since 2020. July 7th is when we started. It was our first airing of, of our very first show. Doug Eichner was that show. Um, if you go and look at some of the yeah, exactly. Who? Uh, if you look at some of our history and, and, and downloads, that's one of the largest downloaded episodes on our site. Um, this is our third year anniversary, and Doug is going to be that episode. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's his second episode, and you'll be able to catch that on all of your audio platforms, as well as you'll be able to catch it on the 7th of July, 2023. On YouTube, uh, you'll be able to catch that episode with Doug in it. And uh, 
please enjoy and uh, we'll uh, catch up with you soon. And once again, I mean, we have not covered all my racing careers. I'm sure they'll probably be enough to three so we can oh. touch more base on what, what, how much fun we had, we had for racing in Maine. That, that just, we could probably do four or five episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd say definitely three. We'll probably have to do another well, I'm, I'll, you're hope always welcome. Hope you guys are keep tuned in and listening. <laughs> the team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center, with over 17 years' experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to duncantechinternational at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms, and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 